actually not good to have a website that works differently to everyone else. DigitalMarketingRadio.com Would you like to start your own show? I'm thinking of developing an online video course teaching how to set up, produce and market your own show. If that might be of interest, dear listener, I would really appreciate if you'd take two minutes of your time to complete the questionnaire at startyourownshow.com. That's startyourownshow.com. The Big Interview with David Bain. How do you actually judge how well your website is performing? Is web page loading speed really that important? And if you don't have a mobile-friendly site, how does that impact your visitor retention? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask my special guest today, James Gregg. James, welcome to DMR. Thanks, David. Well, James is the founder of online business optimization software provider Bloom Tools. James founded the software development arm of Bloom Tools in 2004. So, James... 2004, that's a long time ago in internet years. What's the biggest changes that you've seen in the last 10 years or so? Yeah, look, David, it is a long time to have been in an industry like this, and particularly because it's it's changed so much. Um, so, so Bloom Tools is a is a web company. We offer um, a, a range of web services to small to medium businesses in Australia and Canada. So, what sort of you, makes us unique um, in the marketplace is that instead of um, when we build a web solution for a client, trying to, to couple together a whole bunch of loosely uh, or different applications, we've developed all of those applications under the one login. And um, the benefit of that sort of approach is that we operate under a software as a service model. So as technology changes, we can automatically improve or update our tools over time. So the, the question, I suppose, of, of, you know, what have you seen change over time is a good one because I like to, to sort of relate it to the sort of this three stages of web development. And, and um, if I was to look back at them, I would call sort of the first generation of websites sort of the ones where I would describe them as, as an online brochure where, uh, you know, you might have been using a Flash website or something to effectively just create something that was pretty online. There wasn't really a lot of focus on results. Um, the next generation was was when, I suppose, content management systems came into play, when, when business owners realized that they needed to, to make their, their brochure a bit more um, live where they can update and add new content. And then, and then as of as of late, a lot more of the focus has been on on making the website a core part of businesses' operations, and um, and so that's what we call the third generation website, and, and and that's what we sell in our business. So I mean, in that time, there's been an incredible amount of changes. I mean, if you look at every area of digital marketing, um, from you know SEO all the way through to SEM, there's been a, a bunch of changes. The biggest one, um, and you touched on it earlier, David, I think is is probably um, the addition of mobile websites or mobile phones where people are now accessing mobile or, or websites um, using a mobile device. And um, it's, I, was, I was listening to someone the other day that said that, that the, the adoption of mobile phones is, has been one of the quickest things um, humans have ever had happen, just ever. I mean, if you look at the adoption of the internet or the adoption of computers, uh, those things took 
quite a while before they sort of became mainstream. Um, mobile phone technology, on the other hand, has um, just exploded at an exponential rate. And what I find most interesting is that a, a lot of people with their websites don't really cater um, for mobile phone users. Um, so, look, probably mobile technology. And then in addition to that, there's, there's a whole bunch of things that sit off the back of that. That's okay. That's okay. That probably serves me right for um, asking so general a question. You you could have gone just about anywhere with that there really as well, you know. But um, that that's um, interesting that you you mentioned the three different stages of website development um, because um, uh, a, a lot of sites um, possibly haven't even progressed to the third stage. And I guess um, a lot of what you're trying to do at the moment is encouraging. Um, businesses to actually move on to that stage and and treat their website more seriously. Look, it's it's interesting, and it's something I'm very passionate about. The the trouble with the web industry um, as a whole, and it's it's it has been improving over time, is that anyone can build a website. And the problem with anyone being able to build a website is that it means that that people that are typically building websites may know not, not know about all the things that they need to do to get results online. And from a business owner's perspective, someone that's that's saying, look, I want to get a website because I'm starting a business and they don't know it, it's sort of the blind leading the blind. And what I did in 2000, probably about 2006, is I actually started uh, the Website Standards Association um, with the view of trying to create a set of standards not technical standards, but standards for business owners, standards that someone could say, look, these are the things that I need as a minimum if someone's going to be building a website for me. And um, uh, we've, unfortunately, we haven't put a lot of time into that association since we originally started. And it's one of the things that I want to start getting back onto and spending a bit more time on so that we can educate business owners. But we've started to develop some of our own tools um, within the Bloom Tools website to help business owners just let them know what the web developer isn't doing for them sort of as, as a basic. Mm. And of, I mean, you say anyone can build a website and, and, and it's, it's fairly easy to, to get the, the basics of HTML mastered. But of course, even great designers who build visually appealing sites um, don't necessarily build a site with great coding. And it's the coding behind a web page that search engines look at. Um, so, I mean, what are the main issues um, with regards to website code that you're seeing at the moment? Is it speed? Um, is it simple? Um, no optimization, so no use of things like title tags and meta descriptions? Or um, is there something else that website uh, designers just aren't doing effectively at the moment? Yeah, no, look, you're absolutely right, David. I think um, my view is, is that a lot of designers that build websites have come from the print background or come from print backgrounds, typically agencies, where they apply things that work in print and they don't necessarily know what works online. And and that seems to be where there's a bit of a disconnect. Um, so you're right, you're 100% right. There's a whole range of technical things that um, we see just time and time again that, that websites don't have that just should be part of the basics. So, you know, we, we touched on the fact that um, websites should be mobile friendly. So they should have some of the features you would expect, like um, the buttons should be bigger so that it's it's thumb friendly um, for people like me that have big thumbs. Mm. Um, you you want to make sure that it's optimized for search engines. So you have some of the basics like an updated XML sitemap so that if Google is uh, indexing your website, it can actually tell which pages need to be indexed. 
uh, or a robots.txt file to tell to tell Google I exactly what it should be doing when it comes to your website. Um, but but just in addition to that, just some things as simple as as coding errors on the website can make a big difference to things like internet speed or even the way that the website is viewed on different browsers, something that most business owners wouldn't be aware of um, because they may only view their website on one browser. But look, technical the technical side of websites is only one component. And um, in most cases, that's sort of an easy fix once you know what those problems are. The bigger challenge I find that most websites don't have is they don't have the strategies around, um, around their website to know what's actually getting results online, like the basics of having a phone number if you're a small business in the top right hand corner um, uh, or, or other ways of, of, of making it easy for people to contact you. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's so, there's so many elements like that, that um, I don't know if it's businesses not thinking of them or the web designers not thinking of them, but um, certainly the web designers should understand the businesses better. And a lot of um, designers perhaps, um, again, as you, you mentioned, just design something that's visually appealing and don't necessarily integrate their thinking with what really has to happen for the business. That's right. They're sort of they're sort of thinking about it like a, a technical person as opposed to a consumer. See, in the past, if we go back to what we were talking about with those generations of websites, um, the the goal for most web developers was to make their website different to everyone else's website, <laughs> to mm -hmm. make it unique. I mean, I don't know if you remember the days when we used to have, um, you know, the cursors that would follow you around or the the background colors that would change or, oh, yes. yeah. or anything <laughs> like that. And and what what of course people are starting to learn is that it's actually not good to have a website that works differently to everyone else. It's got to work the same because users have an expectation about how things should work online. And if your website doesn't match that expectation, for instance, you've now decided to put your menu on the right-hand side on a different page, or they can't click on your logo to go to the home page, or any of those sorts of things, you're going to lose sales and lose leads because um, people won't know how to use your website. That's almost like they've been trained about what a website should and shouldn't do. Okay, and so a website's got to look um, fairly similar, um, or at least in terms of um, the way it works to other sites. Um, does that mean that um, it's important for the majority of websites to use CMSs like WordPress to actually get that initial framework in place? Or is there still a place for um, starting to code a website from scratch? Look, I think the days of coding websites from scratch have sort of left us behind with the, the introduction of content management systems. And the main reason for it is it just makes it so much easier for someone who isn't technical, which is the majority of people that are the owners of websites, to actually get in there and have some control over it. The days of having to pay your web developer... Thankfully, the days of having to pay a web developer to make every change you need online have gone. So yes, absolutely, content management systems um, have is is typically the the only way to go. And and nowadays we're we're lucky that there are just a huge range of of content managements to choose from. There's proprietary ones like ours, and then there's also open source ones as well. Um, obviously, all of them with their their their, their benefits and their negatives. Okay. And um, you also touched on web um, page loading speed, and that can be impacted by the, the quality of the coding, but also the server itself, where it's hosted, and um, a, a few other areas. Um, so um, how important really is web page loading speed? And um, what are a few things that a business could do to actually measure that and improve it? 
Sure. So look, website loading speech has has always been important, but uh, is becoming more and more so as time progresses. So the reason, the main reason website loading speed is important is because if someone is coming from a search engine and they click on your website and it takes too long to load, they'll just click the back button. Um, people just have, users just have an expectation nowadays of being able to get what they want instantly. And if you don't get give them what they want, they're not going to hang around for it. And, uh, and Google recognizes this so much so now that they actually factor it in as part of uh, their ranking algorithms. So that means that if you're not, if your website isn't loading fast, it's not only affecting the fact that if someone comes to your website, the likelihood of them purchasing is, is lower, but it's also affecting whether you're going to potentially even be ranking well uh, as well. So look, there are lots and lots of things that um, you can do from uh, uh, the to, to actually make your website load quicker. So for instance, in the case of Bloom Tools, in our business, uh, we go to the level of even having caching servers. So servers that sit in front of all of our other servers within a tie copy of a website so that it can return the result in you know, under 200 milliseconds. Um, now that's sometimes out of the possibilities um, for most people when they're developing websites. Um, so a useful tool that I, I recommend um, businesses use when they're trying to determine what they can do to try and increase their speed is a tool called Google uh, PageSpeed Insights. Just Google Google PageSpeed Insights, pop your domain in, and it'll give you a whole range of things that you can do. Um, and it categorizes those things by, you know, really important um, sort of a medium priority and then not so important. And if you can at least tackle the, the, the big ones, it'll go a long way towards um, helping you improve the, the, the page load speed times. Okay. And what about things like server location? Um, if you're talking about a local business that's, um, say, based in Australia somewhere and um, they use a server that happens to be based in the United States, um, Obviously, from a speed perspective, that probably isn't great. Um, but um, is there any reason in particular why, apart from that, that they shouldn't have a server in the States? So that's, a, that's another good question. So when, when we talk about the location of servers, what one needs to remember is the information has to travel from those servers all the way to the user that's trying to, to get access to that information. Now, if the majority of your users or, your, or the people purchasing from you aren't where your server is, it means that the latency, the, the distance between um, where they are and where you are, that latency can be quite high. And again, that means that it's going to load, uh, uh, decrease the load times. Uh, so it is really important to have your um, servers close to where you are from a speed perspective, but also from a search engine optimization perspective, because Google uh, will rank results based on um, where it expects the users should be coming from or, or where it's optimized for. So for instance, if you're a business uh, located in uh, the UK or in Australia, having your website hosted in the in the, the USA would mean that you would typically be ranking lower than your competitors that are going after the same target market but are located quicker because of the speed times but because also Google is trying to determine um, whether it is actually a USA-based company or a UK-based company. Okay, um, so you'd uh, so, recommend a business to actually have their domain name, hopefully as a top-level domain name from that country and spe specifically, plus um, the server based in that country as well? 
Absolutely. The other thing that you can do as well is you can also jump into Google Webmaster Tools and then there you can nominate the country um, that you want Google to, to understand that it's the, the, the main one for. Um, if you want to get really serious as well, there's a whole range of other things you can do. Um, like you can look at uh, sort of caching servers that act as, it's, it's, called a, it's called a content distribution network or a CDN. So just uh, Google, Google that when you have a chance. It's another thing that we offer our clients as standard in Bloom Tools. And what it does is it actually stores copies of the information around the world. So we have about 50 servers or 50 locations around the world where all of our images and, and files are located for each website. And when someone requests it, that request is actually um, delivered from the closest location. So we have low latency and then we can control um, where Google uh, thinks that website should be uh, um, sort of ranked for within Google Webmaster Tools. So would you say in general, that um, a CDN is great for a business that has um, customers from all over the world and is serving them from the same website, but a business that is based in one country, even if they've got loads of different customers, if the majority of their customers are coming from that one country, then a CDN is probably not so relevant for them. So it's a, it's a very good point. So for instance, in, in the case of where your your users are just based in a, in a small location, it's better to look at things like caching servers um, rather than a CDN where, where you're right, a CDN is something that is more useful when your visitors or users are coming from around the world. Okay. And just finally, in relation to website performance, you, you touched on um, mobile performance as well. Uh, do you favour responsive design websites to actually deliver just um, a, a more appropriate version of the same web page for a mobile visitor? Or is there ever a place still to have a separate mobile website nowadays? Sure. Look, I, I think that having a separate mobile website just makes it harder for business owners because it just means that you've got more to do. And the reality with being a business owner is that if we've got more to do, it just means that we typically won't do it. So where possible, um, the, the best solution is to have something like a, a mobile um, responsive template or um, a website where it delivers the same content but potentially into a different template um, because it just means less work. And um, um, from from your perspective, it means you're going to get better results because you don't have to add your content in both locations every time. And it also means that if a user comes on the mobile website, they're seeing the exact same content that they would see if they were going to the desktop, which is really important as well. Okay, great. And I also believe that at uh, Bloom Tools, you've recently developed um, a tool to actually grade the performance of a website. Do you, you want to tell the listeners a little bit about that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, before I was talking a bit about how I'm really passionate about just giving business owners some of the basics so when they're talking with their web developer they're at least armed with a bit of information about what they should be doing online. Now that doesn't cover the strategies but if your web developer isn't doing some of these technical things that's typically a good indication that there's a lot more that can be done with your website online. So um, so Bloom Tools has developed a, a really useful tool that um, gives your, your website a score out of 14 where um, it, it looks at um, how you get found in Google, what your, your website um, load time is like, whether you're optimized for mobile, how it's made, so some of the technical details around your website, and then how you're using social media as well. Um, so what you can do is, if you want to use the tool, it's free. Um, it's just located at bloomtools.com forward slash grader. Pop your domain in there and it'll give you an instant result. Excellent. Okay, a nice little... Um 
resource there. Um, but let's segue into the second section of our discussion. So that focuses more on your thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. What software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, maybe try not to choose a Bloom Tools bit of software here, but <laughs> uh, so if someone took away from you, uh, it would significantly impact your marketing success. Sure. Look, th- so so there's a couple of things. I think firstly, in, in our business, um, we are very he- heavily centered around Google products and um, and. The, the main ones we use are, of course, things like uh, AdWords and Analytics, um, but also some of the collaboration tools that Google offers in their Google Apps suite. Um, so if I think if, if anyone was to, to take some of those away from us, it would make running our business um, very hard. Um, but in addition to that, there's also a couple of uh, little known tools or, or ones that a lot of not a lot of people know about that I, I find quite useful. Um, one of them is a tool, and not so much on the internet marketing side, but more on how you can communicate with your web developer about what you want to be doing with your website. It's a tool called Crocodoc. And Crocodoc's a really neat tool because you can upload a, a preview of your website and then you can actually annotate it. So it's a great way of allowing you to communicate with whoever's building or working on your website to get accurate information about what you want to be working on and changing. Um, because as we know, one of the things that we've got to keep doing with our website is continually doing tests and measures to over time to... Um, um, to see what's working and, and, of course, what's not, and then making changes. And, and for me, I find that's a really, really useful tool. Great. Okay, well, and in 78 interviews, I haven't come across that recommendation so far. So thanks for something unique there. That's great. Um, so um, slightly more challenging question, though. Um, what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you've meant to try at some point in the near future? Um, look, not a piece of software, but an interesting um, addition to uh, a marketing suite. So um, in the in the marketplace at the moment, one of the, the great marketing strategies that is, has been working for a while now is remarketing. So remarketing is um, a way of sort of getting a, a second bite at the cherry. So when someone comes to your website, they're not always going to act um, straight away. So, so, you know, out of 100 people that come to your website, maybe only two or three or 10 people contact you. Um, now, that doesn't mean that those other 90 people weren't actually interested in your product. They might just be doing research or not ready to buy straight away. Now, remarketing is a way of marketing to those people that have come to your website on a consistent basis so that when they are ready um, to, to make a purchase, um, they'll be drawn back to your website. Now, Facebook has um, recently released a, um, an addition to their remarketing program. So within their software, there's a way now where you can actually upload an email list of all of the people that might have been interacting with your business in the past. So they might be existing customers, for instance, and you can actually start marketing to that contact list within Facebook. Um, so it's a great way, for instance, of being able to uh, to talk to existing customers that may not know about some of your existing products or services. That's a great tip there. Um, um, a lot of people obviously will have heard of that and won't have used it either. And um, it's a great way of, of targeting those people who have experienced your brand or your content a little bit. So they're warm leads and um, surely they must be more likely to convert as well. Look, it's it's interesting. Uh, uh, within a lot of businesses, 
it costs something like uh, in the vicinity of nine times more to get a new customer than to get an existing customer to purchase more off you. Mm. And the, the great benefit of some of these remarketing campaigns or like this Facebook one is that it's, it's a little or a low cost um, but can give you incredible results. Um, and it's something that we try and get our existing clients in Bloom Tools to focus not on just how to get new customers but also to get your existing customers to purchase more and there are so many tools online that can help you do that like you know social media and email marketing and all those sort of ones but this particular remarketing one is one that I'm um, I'm, I'm really interested in and um, one that we're going to be trialing soon. I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Look, I, I think like most business owners, when you're starting out, one of the main things you're trying to do is not spend a lot of money. And sometimes the mistake, and if I look back at us, especially the mistake that we made, is that we would we would sometimes go with what we perceived as the cheaper option in order to save money. But in the end, it has cost us a lot more over time. And the biggest one for me has been not getting the right people on board the bus whether they be on the team or consultants or, or whatever it is, um, right from the beginning, and as a result, it's mean it's meant huge amounts of time and cost, because we've had to learn how to do things as opposed to to getting someone in who would just have been able to give us some better advice right from the beginning. So a great example when we started spending money on Google AdWords, um, when we were really brand new in it, if if someone had come in and given us some advice on some better ways to do it, we could have solved or saved thousands and thousands of dollars um, because we would have known how to get a sort of a, um, a, a cost per lead down as opposed to how much we were paying at the time. Okay, um, so your time is is, is, the, is a valuable asset, um, but obviously it's worthwhile investing and spending more money in tools to increase your business as well. Tools and advice. So, so getting people that have done it before, getting them involved early, um, rather than rather than trying to figure it out yourself. Uh, I think that's that's probably the, the biggest bit of advice I can give people because the amount you save over the long term, even if you might pay a bit more upfront, uh, is worth it. And if if I look back at the amount of money that would have meant to us, it would be significant. The this or that round. Okay, so this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Try not to think about the answer too much. I'm just looking for your gut reaction here. Ready to go? Sure. Email or Twitter? Uh, Email. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Uh, Display advertising. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? Uh, one-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? Paid search. Email contact form or telephone number? Telephone number. Websites or app? Websites. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email. And local marketing or global marketing? Local. Yay! I was hoping you might struggle with one of them there, but they were all pretty de- <laughs> definitive there, so... Uh, no challenges at all. That's, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll just go straight on to... The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Sure. So that's a good question. I think one of the mistakes a lot of business owners we find that we work with make is they don't understand the metrics for their lead to sale 
that sort of that pipeline. So what does it actually cost me to make a sale? Um, so within Bloom Tools, we understand that we know how much it costs from the moment of trying to find a lead all the way of, of closing them. So within our business, we know how much money we've got to spend on pay-per-click and remarketing to get that, which makes it very easy to make a decision about how we would split that $10,000 up. You know, so, so in our case, it would be with, with AdWords doing a pay-per-click campaign, followed up by remarketing, and um, and um, we would we would have a good feel of, of what that would result in from a sales perspective. Okay, and um, would you try and focus on brand terms or terms that were really likely to convert, or would you go for more generic, longer-tail terms that might bring in business a little bit longer down the line in the future? Uh, that's another good question. And the answer to it, it really depends. It depends on what you're trying to sell. And it's the thing that you have to actually test and measure. So uh, we tend to start with most businesses with longer tail local based queries, um, particularly if we're doing something like SEO for them. Um, and then and then changing that over time and working out what gets the better conversion rate. So you have to be able to track with your website what it, when you get a conversion, what generated that conversion and how much it cost for that conversion or for that lead. My number one takeaway. Well, James, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? Look, I think... <laughs> The, 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 the thing, like I've, I've mentioned a couple of times in the past, the, the bit that I'm most passionate about is making sure that your website has some of the basics. Um, it is optimized for mobile. It's fast. Um, it doesn't have technical errors. You have some of the basic social media um, strategies in place. Um, so the, if I could offer um, a, a suggestion, it would be jump on the Bloom Tools website, go to bloomtools.com forward slash greater, pop your domain in, and um, and then take that to your web developer and and get some of those minimum things fixed, um, because if you're doing some of the basics, it should it should just help you increase and and start thinking more about um, what you need to be doing online. Okay, so stop thinking about driving traffic to your site until you know that your website is performing well. Perfect. Well, great. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thanks so much for your time, your focus and your advice. Um, I take it the best way for our audience to find out more about you is to go to bloomtools.com. Perfect. No, thanks, um, thanks a lot for your time, Danny. <laughs> Thank you, James. Um, it was great to talk to you. Digital Marketing Radio Digital Marketing Radio Digital Marketing Radio That